Hi, Nina. Hey, Max. What time is it? It's coaching time. Let's do it. Hello, beautiful people. <laughs> it's been a long time since you heard from us. And today I would love to share a little goodbye with you. Even though they say it's never a goodbye, it's a see you again. I want to take a moment to honor the journey we have shared on Generation Coaching. The past year has been amazing, filled with great stories, learnings, growth for everyone on the show and hopefully for you too. So I'm so filled with gratitude for every listener, every conversation, every moment of connection we have experienced. So your support has turned this podcast into a community and for that I'm profoundly thankful. But we also know as seasons change, so does our journeys. And they say when one door closes, another opens. And this means that Max and I will pursuing different paths. His contributions have been absolutely invaluable and I wish him all the best for his future adventure. And while the chapter of Generation Coaching is ending, the story is far from over. So I'm very thrilled to announce that next year I will be working on an exciting new podcast a rebranding that promise you to bring you even more enriching content, thought-provoking discussions and transformative insights with an amazing new co-host. So stay tuned here and I can't wait to continue this adventure with you. So please follow me on social media for any updates and thank you again for being part of Generation Coaching. Honestly, I'm so grateful. It was such a great experience. And here is to new beginnings and endless opportunities for all of us. So please enjoy the last Generation Coaching episode with Andreas von Estorf and myself. And for now, I say goodbye. I wish you a lovely pre-Christmas time and a happy new year. And I send you all my love from London. Today, I'm very excited to be sitting down with someone I deeply admire. You might know him as a driving force behind modelmanagement.com, a game changer in the world of advertising and content creation. But there's more to Andreas von Estorf than just his 25 years of experience building different businesses. He's not just someone who knows how to build a business. He's also very passionate about building people, guiding others on their journey of transformation and growth. So when you chat to him, it's clearly that he got a world of wisdom from the boardrooms and from the heart. So today we're going to speak about conscious living, which I'm very excited about. And yeah, I can't wait to hear more from you, Andrea. So it's a an truly honor to have you here. 
and welcome. Thank you very much. What a flattering introduction. <laughs> I, I like it. 25 years experience and wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> I feel very honored yeah, to be with you. So thank you as well to be here and taking time for me and the world to share a bit of wisdom. And I thought we start with your personal story because, as I mentioned before, the topic is conscious living. And yeah, I would love to understand a little bit who you are, where you're coming from and where you want to go in life. So can you share a little bit about your early life and what experiences shaped your journey towards consciousness? So I am in first place. <laughs> mm -hmm. And as a personality developed, I was born in Germany and I studied engineering and economy. I did an MBA and I started to work in the digital business quite early when internet started. Mm -hmm. I don't know how old you were, probably in the kindergarten still, 96. <laughs> and since then, I'm an entrepreneur with a lot of passion, tech entrepreneur, you would say. I built companies, platforms around the digital business. I moved to Barcelona 25 years ago. I grew up in Germany, in Aachen, little town mm. near Cologne, near the Dutch border. And I was lucky because I had a very peaceful childhood. So I'm not aware of any trauma from my childhood and found out in the last couple of years, talking to many people a bit more deeply, that this is a privilege. So many people have traumas from their childhood, things that happened, and I'm fortunate I didn't. In the entrepreneurial journey, you have ups and downs, and that's okay. If you're passionate, you give a lot of energy for kids, Children who are not so kids anymore. The youngest is 13 and the eldest is 32. Mm -hmm. And I have a grandchild, six years. That's my biggest success, I think. Not the grandchild, the family that I built. Yeah. I'm still, I say still, and I will always be married as long as I live to my beautiful wife, Mariella, almost 30 years. And that's all a big privilege. And my journey to consciousness was started more intensively by burnout. Like from outside, a brilliant career, everything is perfect, Mr. Perfect, suddenly working with too much passion and too unconscious about what really matters to me. My life changed from one day to the other. It was a very hard experience of a burnout, out-of-the-box depression, panic attacks, and no joy anymore. Okay. I would love to go a bit deeper into the burnout that you mentioned. When was the first time you felt that there was something going on that wasn't quite feeling right for you, that you had the consciousness about maybe going into a burnout or already being in it? Can you share a bit more about that? Yes, now looking back, I can. When it happened, I couldn't because I was ignoring it, as many people do. I was raised in a society and I guess from my parents in a very masculine way where weakness and crying, tears is all not allowed as a man and burnout. And I had people in, in my company, employees or other people I know who had to take weeks off because of a burnout and I respected that but I was thinking like, yeah, that wouldn't happen to me and it's a bit like a weak person, you know, like They're not strong enough if they have a burnout and they can't work because of a burnout. It's, like, it's also like a fashion word, burnout. It's another way to say I'm tired or I'm weak. That was my belief. 
Yeah. And this belief, of course, I didn't recognize any sign of my own, but my wife did, friends did. They told me months before it happened, Andreas, you are the candidate, you are running into it. We can recognize it, we can recognize it by certain things. One good friend of mine, dear friend of mine, Andrea, she's a coach also very related to burnout. And she said, one sign is that you cannot focus anymore. When I talk to you, I see that you're not connecting with me anymore. You're all over the place. You know, I, I cannot talk to you in a really one-to-one -one way. You're always distracted, which I didn't know that this is a sign. And another sign is when you start waking up at night, three, four o'clock, start thinking about all the problems that can occur, all the catastrophes that could come, which are not catastrophes, but you think that they are, and you're not able to find peaceful sleep anymore. Yeah, These are the two probably signs I could have recognized if I would have known, mm -hmm. because they were doing months, this were, was what I experienced. But then it hit me in a way where I couldn't ignore it anymore. So one day I woke up and the world literally fell, fell apart. In my case, I didn't collapse. There's other people who just like, they cannot stand up anymore. They can see and breathe, but they cannot move anymore. They can have kind of something like a heart attack. It's also possible if you're physically not fit. Luckily, I was always doing sports. I have a good body. But your body just like says no to the most basic functions mm -hmm. from one moment to the other. And in my case, it was like panic attack, anxiety, and depression. It's like the world looked different. I woke up and everything was normal. I took a coffee and suddenly... Bomb. The world was different. Like I, I was a different person and the world was different and it was not at all pleasant anymore. It was terrible. It was sad, heavy, like mm. a big stone in your chest. And I didn't know what happened. That's very interesting that you spoke about the different faces. For how long was the entire period, the heavy period that you described going on? So it took me four months, more or less, from the moment when the panic attack started until I had the feeling and the confidence that I could live a normal life again. So I had kind more joy again, and I felt a bit like the world was as it was before. In these four months, it was very dark. And I had moments, luckily, little moments, and I learned some, some techniques and things, how to forget the sadness and the clouds for a moment. And I worked a lot to get there without knowing if I achieve it. I had a very good support, of great support of my wife and other people around me. But yeah, four months it took in my case and in other cases can take a year, two years and some people never are able to get back to their normal life mm -hmm. and some people even decide to take their life, which is very sad. And I was asked in the first two days when I had this, the first two days I was just saying, okay, that will disappear, it's, I don't like it. So I just didn't do anything and then I went to the doctors because my heart was beating very irregular and was breathing different ways. I like something is also physically not good. So I probably better to go to a doctor, to emergency. Understood what happened to me. And from then I was sent to another doctor, another doctor, and all the three doctors, the last was a psychologist, asked me, are you thinking about suicide? And I was like, should I? <laughs> I didn't laugh about it because it was, of course, it hit me even harder. Mm -hmm. But as three people who are specialists and who understood what happened to me, asked, I understood that, I'm in a critical situation. For some reason, they asked me that. But I never considered that in the four months to take my life. I always wanted to get back and had no intention to do that. I could understand that people can get there. I could understand that this kind of being, this kind of feeling is so hard and so painful. 
it's a pain that is not physical pain, like headache or it's worth. It's worth a headache. It's worth anything. It's in your soul, in your heart. It hurts. Mm. And I think if you think you cannot escape from this feeling, you can consider that the only way to escape from this feeling because it's so painful is to stop life. Yeah. Would you say the period before you actually were in the burnout, would you say you were conscious about how you changed as a person or absolutely unconscious? In that period, I was not conscious. I was a different person. I was a suffering being. Mm. And then after those four months, would you say there were certain rituals that helped you or tools that helped you to get out of this kind of period next to your family support, friend support? Can you describe a little bit about that? Yes. So first of all, I had a lot of regrets about things I did in the past, but now I would say not everything was doing justice to I regret almost everything that I did. I think because I must have done a lot of things wrong to get there. That was my belief. And mm. so I regret everything. And so I questioned myself, which now I know is kind of, I lost my ego, which is good. Yeah. Some people say a burnout is your ego burns out and what's left is your essence. And I didn't take care of my essence in the years before. So I, for me, as I was so much in my ego, losing my ego, there was nothing left. So suddenly I was in an empty space. I had to refine my essence. And this is the answer to your question. How you find your essence by meditation, for example. So I discovered meditation, walking. I didn't want to leave house a lot, but the only thing I liked mostly with my wife, but also alone, is just walking around my house. I'm living close to the beach. I'm lucky. So I mm. could walk along the beach, which I think the water, the ocean, And also the sun gives you energy. So it's good for you. You're still suffering, but you feel there's something good about it. So you do it. And also one interesting thing is in a burnout, maybe I just explain quickly how that happens, what happens in a burnout. Why is this event? I mean, there's a reason for it spiritually, but there's also a physical mm -hmm. reason for it. We all know stress. Stress is something that we use a lot as a word, like I'm stressed. Yeah, so stress. But we also know that stress is something good because it's the ability of the body to react to a situation where you need more energy, more attendance, whatever, which evolutionary comes from survival instinct. In the initial phase of a human being, one of the biggest enemy was a white big tiger who wanted to bite you and eat you. So the white tiger appears and your body produces stress hormones that enable you to run faster react faster as we don't have a lot of life threats anymore luckily today rarely i didn't have a lot to be honest and i think same for you our brain still is looking for this kind of events still looking for threats and if you're not conscious we find threats in the most stupid things so an email a call from a client a word from your couple from a family member can be suddenly causes stress and if you're in a permanent stress mode if you don't curate your essence you don't curate the being if you don't curate the independence from external influence and you're always triggering by external influence stimulations and in a challenging time like i was having four kids having a couple of companies built and some challenges then you're in a permanent stress mode that means you always tell yourself 
give me more energy because I need to solve this and this and that. So there's always tigers, white tigers all over the place. And then it's like the tank or the reserve you have of the ability of producing the stress hormone is empty at a certain point because you just use it permanently. You're in a mode where you're always like stress, 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 stress. Yeah? It's not only physically like you're running, it's like a thing. So your body is like saying, okay, sorry, I can't do this anymore. It's empty. So my ability to give you extra power to run away for this stupid little white cat, which I think is a tiger, is not there anymore. And physically, the same function that produces the stress hormones that enable you to run faster also produce dopamine, serotonin, melatonin, and many other important substances that you need for good sleep, for being happy, for smiling, for resilience. By abusing this stress function, you lose all the ability of all these beautiful functions of the brain and the body. And that's why when it's empty, it's empty. You cannot sleep anymore. You cannot laugh anymore. You have feel no joy. You have no resilience. Nothing. But, and that's why walking around was so important for me. And I couldn't sit still in the first couple of weeks because my body was so programmed to be active. Yeah. Yeah, so sitting still was suffering. <laughs> I needed to do something. So I was just running around like with an empty brain, an empty soul. But my body was like a machine that wanted still to run. I don't know why, but so it's like you said in the movie, sometimes you see somebody cut the head off <laughs> and then the body keeps running. <laughs> yes? And before it realized I'm dead. <laughs> so this was kind of the feeling. So just a little explanation of what happens in the burnout and why we should really take care of this. And that's why meditation, walking in the nature. Later, I discovered cooking. It's a nice anecdote. I always told people before. How sad it is that my mother, my wife, or whoever cooked for me, like they stand one hour in the kitchen, two hours, and then we eat in 10 minutes. That's so ineffective. And at this time I discovered the cooking is a great thing and the eating is also nice, but the cooking itself is so nice. It's so good. It's so much presence and it's so much joy. It's a journey towards a nice meal and then you get a gratification. Cooking or gardening. Also, my wife always loved flowers and plants and things. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Nice. <laughs> Somebody even saw. And then she took me to the gardener and we chose some plants. And he told me, okay, you plant it now. I didn't know why. I didn't feel anything. And then suddenly I developed a relationship to these flowers. And all these things helped me to get to my essence. Yeah. And I guess being more present while you do things, right? Could that be also something that you relearned, like really feeling something while you're doing it? So you're planting a flower, let's say. You really put like your love into it. You feel how beautiful this flower can grow in the future. You add some water and you get really into this space of like a sense of wonder, actually. Like it's a flower that can grow. Would you say that's something you relearned or... That's something you always had within you and you just had to unblock it, let's say. This is already about consciousness. I was not conscious about it. I put my focus on things, material things or the happiness of others or thoughts. And the most obvious, the most powerful, the power of the nature and the connection with the nature was not something I was conscious of, was there and I oversaw it. I think that's the big change now, much more conscious, aware of we are part of something and that we're connected with everything and that's so beautiful and we don't need all these stimulations we don't need netflix instagram it, it's nice to have success it's nice to have a company that works it's nice to have a client who's happy but you're not dependent on that 
everything that we have without any stimulation, without any hard work, just looking at the nature, just connecting with the nature is giving so much joy that you don't have the pressure anymore. Yeah. I mean, that sounds very beautiful. And I guess many people would love to experience that. How can someone feel that in that moment? Because you obviously described all those beautiful things and just being in the moment, connect with your essence. If I really want that, how can I feel that for myself? Is there something that you would love to share with me that I can deeply connect with myself again and feel that? I think you can already. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to explain you, but I can explain you how I found that possibility and what my journey was. It's also kind of work. It's something, or at least I always compare it with gym or with muscles. Yeah, So it's a muscle that if not living conscious means we have not trained a very basic muscle that we have just to make it easier to understand because it's not a visible muscle, the brain and mm. this kind of consciousness. And for me, it was two steps. As I studied, engineering can tell that I'm a more rational person. So I need to understand first. First, I need to understand And then I need to execute what to change to apply what I understood. And understanding meant like I had to go through many books and YouTube videos and podcasts of spiritual teachers. And you know, my favorite teachers, Eckhart Tolle, who helped me a lot. His books, his YouTube videos, his podcasts, but also others like Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. The list of names is clear. <laughs> If you just Google for Joe Dispenza and Eckhart Tolle, you find another 10 teachers that yeah. come along. And I did the same. And some triggered with me, some more, some less, but I got told a lot. And then I started to understand this kind of, okay, there is the essence. The essence exists before. I, I was just me. I was Andreas, the German guy, was for kids, entrepreneur, and that was my personality. I didn't know that there's an essence as well. So I understood, okay, there's something more than this person. This person is just something that happened coincidentally, like from my, where I was born and my journey, but it could be everything for my essence. So my essence is something else. There's two entities essence and my personality and so I understood that and then I tried to learn okay how can I nurture my essence how can I nurture the consciousness that I have more than just my personality that I'm independent from this story that I told myself everybody tells about me who I am you have a lot of stories for my kids I am the father so they have a story about me as my as a father in the first place my wife as a husband my employees as my as a boss my investors as whatever yeah so This is all personalities, all roles, but what is the essence? So I learned that to find your essence, and that's the essence of the book of The Power of Now of Mercatole, is to learn how to be present, to learn how to stop the brain from thinking. So Mercatole uses four words to describe this ability or this difference between our normal programmed running through the life, doing and becoming. He talks about stillness, presence, awareness and consciousness. And he means more or less the same. So consciousness means, or awareness, you are aware of your essence and you are able to distinguish between your thoughts and your feelings and who you really are. You are not your thoughts and your feelings. You are the observer of your thoughts and your feelings. And this observer is a bit more than observer because you feel the feelings as well, but you are able to identify them as something that belongs to you, but it's not you. And the thoughts with such... He also uses the word of like thoughts are like clouds. They come and go, you know, like you can be observer like clouds. And stillness and presence. Stillness because in the moment you are aware of this, 
and you're not your thoughts, you are able to stop thinking. So when you stop thinking, it's still not from a noise perspective. Ideally, you also have no noise around, but you can have still, even with in a nightclub, if you're good, it's yeah. stillness in your brain. So your brain stops thinking and talking to you. The voice in your head stops bothering you all the time, like this and that and right and left and tomorrow and yesterday and whatever I did. So that's stillness. And in the stillness, you are present. So that means you are present. That means, and now comes this, the power of now. In presence, you recognize the moment. And a very simple technique, if I now go back to the gym and the training, is always, and that's something everybody can do very simply, like how can I get back to presence? There's several ways to do it. Because if you do it right, you stop thinking. That means your brain is still without, I don't want to think. That's the worst thing you can do. If you say, I don't want to think, then your brain strikes back and says, huh, come on, I'm the boss, yeah? You didn't tell me if I stop thinking. I want to think, you know? Yeah. So, no, no, you distract your attention from thinking to something not thinking, which is the present moment. And for that, we use our senses, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the touch of the hands. So in the present moment right now, if I want to be present, I can just observe. So right now I look into your eyes. I probably would have thought if someone would ask me like, what eye color has Nina? I think I could have said it, but not with such certainty that I can say it now because now I'm looking into your eyes and I see that. Or I can look in the background, what is there an image, which kind of color has the wall. I can listen if there's any other noise than my own voice right now. I can smell what is there any smell right now there's a bit of smell of the coffee that we had this morning yeah taste i can use my hands and touch right now my hands are on the table and i try to feel it's a wooden table how wood feels and i think it's different than it would be stone or plastic or whatever so the ability to use my senses distracts me from thinking and many people do breath work or just breathing because if you breathe yeah and you focus on this breath like consciously breathe in and out your brain is still you cannot think and have this voice and in the same time focus on your breath yeah i feel it right now <laughs> yeah you have been present i've seen when I, your eyes went more and more open and you have been very present last three minutes because also listening in a good conversation totally in the flow of the conversation When you listen to somebody and you totally connect with somebody and you feel the flow of energy, you're super present. Present doesn't mean, meditation is a technique for presence, but presence doesn't mean you have to be alone somewhere, everything's quiet, you sit there, you don't move and you just, I'm so present. <laughs> <laughs> presence means you're just in the moment. Whatever happens in the moment can also be a noise presence. Yeah. It can be running presence. I'm running. So what do I feel when I'm jogging? I'm super present. So I feel like, wow, my heart beats great and my feet and my body sweats and it's also being present. But I'm not running and thinking of like, oh, what do I cook tonight and what do I tell to this provider who didn't deliver yes, last week? That's not being present. Yeah. Or how do you experience being present? Like when you are very present, but the person you are with is not very present, how do you feel about it? That's the first question. And the second is like, do you do anything about it? Because often when I feel very present, I really want to connect with you now. I really want to connect with you. And I also appreciate your time and my time in that special moment and the emotions, the energy we share. 
So how do you cope when someone isn't really present, but you would love to be present with that person, but this person is just in a different mindset, struggling with other things? How do you experience that for yourself? And is there something that you do or are you also just present in that moment? <laughs> I think you read Eckhart Tolle. This question <laughs> points a bit to some of his teaching. I think I told you that I'm still doing classes with his academy, Eckhart Tolle Academy, the Awakening Academy. Mm -hmm. And I will be a teacher of presence by end of this month, very soon. So wow. It's a title which I don't think is important, but it enables me to, if I do coaching, that people understand at least, okay, I have a certain level of... Yeah. Some people need this kind of, yeah. Yeah, of, of course. Coaching me. Of course, yeah. I don't think it's necessary. I did coaching before and it worked. I didn't do it for that. I did it because I wanted to learn what he teaches and being a teacher of presence answers your question. So what he says is in that moment, you don't try to convince somebody to be present. That's not good. You don't tell them like, or tell her, hey, focus, you're not present and everything comes through your own presence. If you're present, then that means, first of all, you focus yourself on the moment. So you mm. connect to the person. That's When you connect to the person, it's also kind of a sense you become present. You're not seeing right and left, you don't think about everything. That's something you learn. And the person recognizes that you're connecting with this person and that your full attention is on what the person says or wants to say. Automatically, the other person will not be fully attentive in this moment. That's impossible because some people are so all over the place. It's very difficult for them to get there. It's also training they need, but they come to a better level of presence. So by your presence, their own presence also increases Yeah. without saying anything. And that's all. That's the trick. Your presence teaches presence. Yeah. If you react and you try to control the other person, it teaches non-presence. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel you're also mirroring the other person as well because you're inviting the other person subconsciously to be more present, even if it's a tiny bit more. So I guess that's a very powerful tool to have. If you're present within yourself, you can invite also others to be present with you. Yes, you said mirror, which is quite nice because in our theory, essence and the essence, we are all the same. In your essence, you are a mirror of myself because we are the same. Yeah. The difference is just the personality. And if you are able to be in your essence and you look behind the scene, yeah. the personality, and you try to feel the essence of the other, it's like a mirror. And then the other feels that as well. And there's a very nice example that Eckhart Tolle mentioned sometimes, which proves that if you are in whatever kind of state of mind, condition, stressed, whatever, and you look at a baby, mm. and the baby looks at you, there's a moment for most of the people, almost everybody, where you start smiling, you feel something. And this is because the baby doesn't know personality. The baby is present. The baby looks into your eyes and sees through your personality into your essence and that awakens your own essence and that's why you smile that's why it feels good same with dogs or cats can happen yeah. if you are a dog or cat lover and you are connecting to the or whatever kind of animal yeah the baby thing is beautiful <laughs> i was just envisioning so we spoke a bit about consciousness being present you're also a coach now so can you share a bit more about your coaching experience and also what your mission is behind it. So first of all, I want to 
make a little remark. I am not a coach. <laughs> In I you, do, you would say I that. I do coaching. <laughs> I coach people who want to change something, who want to be coached, because I am. And whoever has read and understood Eckhart Tolle and other teachers understands what I mean. So we use the word I am a lot in our language. Yeah, but you don't have to add anything to I am. I am means you focus on the essence. And from there you can do everything. You're not limited. If I say I am a coach, you automatically insist or kind of express that you limit yourself to being some personality. Yeah. I do coaching and I do manage or create companies. I think I am a father. That's not something temporary. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also argue that the role as well you play, but it's more something of your essence, I think. So coaching for me has come into my life without any plan. I didn't plan to be a coach. But I think one of the methods that I learned in these four months by trying to find ways out of my suffering was Ikigai. Mm, yeah. mine recommended me to do Ikigai because he also had a burnout and it helped him a lot to find the purpose. So Ikigai is a method where you can just find what is the best activity for you that fits to you because you're good at it, you enjoy doing it, mm. you can have a purpose, change the world, and you can make money with it because in our society, our world, we cannot ignore that we need certain amount of income to pay our rent. And if you have kids, of course, you want them to attend school and stuff. So there's four aspects. And you just check every activity you do, the job you do, or whatever you did, how much does it fit into these four aspects. And ideally, the best things that fit most to you, which give you most balance and most inner peace, are the ones that combine all the four. So they must, and mainly in my life, and now coaching people, the lack of purpose, the lack of, I feel that I'm good at it, I feel I really like to do it, and I can change the world to something that I think is a good purpose for me, is lacking, and it's too much focus on how can I make money. Yeah, absolutely. The necessity of making money kills all the rest. By doing this, I found out that I could be a coach <laughs> because I like people in general. I always like people. I like to connect to people. I think I was good in connecting with people. And I didn't know that you can make money with it, but I learned that you could because some of the teachers I found made a lot of money <laughs> with it, the coaching. And definitely I understood that if you do it right, you can change the world a little bit by influencing other people to have a better life, to a more inner peace, whatever it is, helping them. And then because I was very open and transparent with my journey of burnout, I didn't hide it. It was naturally my desire. This was probably my big luck that I had because normally people, when they have a burnout in the situation, they close themselves and they suffer alone. Even They don't even tell their wife or their family. They're just like, no, no, it's something I don't want to talk about. It's, and that gets worse. And I had the opposite. I wanted to share with everybody. I shared it with my friends, with my business partners, however... I mean, it's a certain level of connection. And I even talked about it in my LinkedIn. And then people approached me. And suddenly I found out that, wow, so many people mm. resonate with that. And they have had the same, they are currently in the same journey, or they're afraid of running into it on this kind of burnout. They, they all found something in common, contacted me back, and they asked me questions. And by answering, I learned that you learn a lot 
by answering these questions. So you become kind of somebody who has an answer. I don't have the answer, but I gave the answer of myself. But every time I talk to somebody, I learned like, wow, it's gratifying. I like it. I learn myself each time more about myself, about the others. And people appreciate it. And then I could even help. Them. I could get the feedback like, hey, wow, Andreas, thank you very much. Talking to you one, two or three times was so good for me because now I understand and because of your life and your personality and there's many people who also are like entrepreneurs, managers, people who have family, like similar situation. I read the book of Eckhart Tolle and I looked at this YouTube and I went to a psychotherapist, but I couldn't really resonate 100% because I was thinking, okay, that's a theory, but the psychotherapist doesn't know what the life of an entrepreneur is. So yeah. they just said, yeah. so that, that was how I get into coaching. <laughs> Long answers, love it. What would you say is your mission with this coaching that you're currently doing? Do you have anything that you can share with me today? Even if it's just a tiny feeling about a direction you want to go into. Is the coaching piece something you would love to continue doing in the future? In can be in different ways. If you're a coach for like one-on-one, if you do one-on-one -on -one coaching or you do group coaching or completely a different dynamic and you implement it into communities, entrepreneurship. What is your vision behind it? If there is one, because also this is constantly evolving. I have the feeling that, first of all, it feels good to do it. So whatever feels good to do it, yeah. I think you should do it. It's gratifying because it feels good in the moment. And then you see that something's happening with other people, which is good for them as well. And then these people also influence their environment. So there's a kind of chain reaction. And that leads me to the mission, I think, without being overambitious or overestimate my capacity as a coach. But still, I have an intention, and you can always manifest an intention. I think that maybe the purpose of what happened to me, the reason and my mission or my vision is that in whatever's left in my life, I can bring more consciousness to people in general and maybe to people alike who are managing companies or entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, managers who resonate with me because they're better or worse than other people just because they're a better target group for me and they can understand my language better. Maybe even politicians. So people who have certain responsibility about other people, about other people's life. And I think it would be gratifying to know that I can, by bringing more consciousness to these people, they take better decisions for themselves and for the people around them. And that could make the world better. Because when we see what's happening in the world, the biggest problems we have, the wars right now in Ukraine or in Israel, in, in the Gaza, or many other wars that we don't even know because we're not yeah. looking at the news. Yeah. Terrible things, violence in families where many men beat or are violent with their kids, with their wives, and so on and so on. There's so much things going on which is all based on unconsciousness. It's all unconscious people who do these things who cause so much pain and suffering. The stress that some companies cause in their employees <laughs> unconsciously. And I think maybe to combine consciousness with entrepreneurship, with, with things that are in the first place don't seem to be connected, but they can be connected and suddenly it makes all sense. So you can be a successful entrepreneur, but you can also be very conscious and do it in a way that it doesn't harm the environment, it doesn't harm other people, It's sustainable, so you're aware of who you are, what you do, why you do it, and you're not acting in a program which is basically applying 
something that you learned in the past, concepts like religions, capitalism, things that you learned, you think your program wants to be good in that. So if you learned that Islam is the best religion and anything else is not good, then your program, without being conscious, is everybody else to be in the same belief. And that goes so far that somebody tells you who doesn't believe like what you believe must die. So kill him or kill her. And the same happened with Christians in the past, with all the religions. Any kind of ideology has this power of being a concept that nurtures unconsciousness, yeah. nurtures a part of us that's a thought, a concept, which we identify with individually or collectively, and which then causes actions which cause suffering by others. If we don't do that, like I said, in the essence we are the same. There's love. There's only love. In the essence, there's only love. The essence doesn't know Black color, white color, doesn't know Christian or Islams. Doesn't matter, it's all concepts, all thoughts that we get implemented as a software at our program when we were born, year by year, day by day, from education, from schools, from society. And being conscious, bringing consciousness means that you are aware that, yes, these programs are convenient for some things. It's good to have certain orientation where to go. You can decide whether I believe in this or in that, but I accept that people can believe totally different things and It's not their opinion, their ideology is not them or their religion is not them. It's just a belief, it's an opinion. What they are is a human. And as humans, we only know love and connection. So why should we kill somebody or do harm to somebody? It makes no sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us also back to consciousness. Do you think or how do you see the future of consciousness in the society? <laughs> First of all, we have to see the presence of consciousness. I think we have a lack of consciousness in society. And I think it's the latest book from Eckhart Tolle, The New Earth, and his intention, why he also did the academy, and he's teaching people to be teacher of presence. And again, he's not the only one. I'm following him a lot because I yeah. like him a lot. I like how he does it. It resonates a lot with me personally. But there's many great teachers out there who do something similar, who teach consciousness. And he expressed that the world needs more consciousness. When you... Listen to this podcast, which is hosted by Oprah, famous US presenter. She calls him probably the greatest teacher of our times. And she says also, I support him because the world needs more consciousness. And I believe the same. I think the world needs more consciousness. That means in the present, most of the people are unconscious. That means they are doing their best from the concepts they got. They run a program because they have been told to be whatever they should be. So they are in the personality And they don't have the ability to observe their personality from the essence perspective. So they're not aware that there's much more than this personality and these beliefs that you have. And not seeing this means that you are easily reacting on everything that triggers you. Not being conscious means it's so easy that an influencer can yeah. be an Instagram, TikTok influencer, can be a politician or a sports guy that you follow, tells you something and you immediately follow that triggers unconsciously because you think that's it and you're not resonating in your deep self if it really makes sense or not. And that's how, again, extreme religions achieve that young people go out there and kill other people or kill themselves. That's unconsciousness. That's unconsciousness XXL. But we can have this in a very small day to day. Somebody shouts at you, shout back. Why? Mm. Yeah. Why do you shout back? Because this other person is attacking your ego, your concept or An example I used to mention a lot in my coaching, when parents are shouting at their kids because, for example, they throw down a glass of milk 
doesn't make sense to shout at your kid because of this because you're shouting not at the kid you're shouting at the fact that something happened which is against your concept your program says no i don't want this milk to fall down because i have to clean it it's dirty yeah and maybe i have to buy a new floor whatever so you're angry that your concept of having everything clean and in order control this is disrupted in this moment and this anger causes that you shout at your kid that you love very much and of course you know that your kid is a kid it didn't decide he she didn't decide oh when my parents angry now i throw this glass of milk to the floor it just happened like it happened to yourself as well when you were a kid that's unconscious behavior if you're conscious and that's something you have to train you tell the kid okay you try to teach them it's better that you don't throw it away and maybe please also be more conscious and more aware of that this is a glass but hey you clean it it's all good you don't shout at your kid why should you I guess also the part of letting go in that moment is very essential of like something is happening that is against my concept. I guess it's consciousness combined also with letting go of certain parts of yourself maybe to really feel a new self of yourself and being open for change. Because I was thinking the transition, you know, let's say you are a very unconscious person, you live in the autopilot How do you tap into the consciousness? You can do that, as you said, through meditation. Let's say someone doesn't really like meditation. There must be different ways to tap into it, which you mentioned, for example, with cooking, planting, like doing things very presently. The moment I do that, my question is also, is there also an influence of really letting go of my old self to become a new version of myself? And that can actually happen every single day because we change every single day. Every minute, actually, we're changing which is quite fascinating if you think about it. But I'm questioning if there's a part of old self versus new self that we also can integrate in the process of being conscious. Yes. In my case and in the coaching I apply, it consists in two steps. The first is understanding. It's like I do use the brain, the tool, yeah. thinking, to reprogram my program. I need to understand what is causing this unconsciousness. If I just would start with, which is okay, just okay, learn meditating or breath work, whatever, you will have an effect for sure. But there's certain danger that you get dependent on doing this, not understanding, not adapting it to yourself. Like, okay, if I'm not meditating, I'm not happy. Or I'm not feeling good. Mm. I feel good because I meditate, but I don't understand why I feel good because I meditate. And I can find other ways to feel good. It's not meditation. Meditation is just one method. So the understanding, the base of that is, for me, that... There's two identifications. I'm not only the person Andreas, when you're only the person Nina, which is already a concept, but just saying that. Nina is a name somebody gave you. It's a female name. Yeah, and they look at you and it's, you're female, yes. Then I start looking at you and I put you into an age category. Understanding that all this is just thoughts. It's just concepts. It's concepts. It's thoughts. So understanding first that I'm not the thoughts. You're not Nina. Somebody gave you the name Nina. Yeah. yeah? And somebody teaches us that male and female are different, very basic different beings. Whereas there's so much in common between male and female. We both have male and female energy yeah. in us. So already separating male from female in such a hard way that we do it is not good. My first part of that is understanding that we are differentiating between who we are, our deep self, and the thoughts. And of course, all the emotions that come after the thoughts. So there's thoughts and emotions. 
which we can be the observer. It's like the consciousness means I'm conscious of my thoughts and my emotions as something that's not me and myself. So understanding that, okay, this is a separation and I can kind of go into both. I can use my thoughts for something, but I am not my thoughts and I know what is my essence. So that's part one, understanding this. It takes some time to get that. And Eckhart Tolle, again, does it very well because he says, okay, next time, and this was happening to me when I was really suffering and I was almost unable to get out of everything. Okay, let's try, for example, okay, meditation or conscious breath. And don't expect that what I do right now will help you immediately, will change, will change probably nothing. The only achievement that you can be proud of is the moment you recognize when you try to focus on your breath or you try to be present and then you recognize a thought is coming back saying like, okay, I want to focus on my breath, but I can't. Just saying, okay, accepting that this is a thought that I'm not able to focus on my breath already is the first step in separating mm -hmm. these two entities because you understand that, okay, thought comes back. I don't want that, but it's okay. But yeah, wow, it's a thought. What is a thought? It's just a thought. It's exactly the difference between focusing on the present moment and thought. And then you train like, okay, more and more understand. Oh, in the present moment, if thoughts, if it's still, whatever, if it's just a millisecond or a second of not thinking, it feels quite good. <laughs> Because yeah. a lot of joy comes from thoughts, but the real joy doesn't come from thoughts. The real joy comes from being. But that's something that's in the third or fourth like, <laughs> chapter of being conscious. But at least from the negative part, suffering, you learn very fast that most of the suffering, most of the things that stress you or that you suffer come from thoughts. So whenever you have this kind of, okay, why I'm not feeling good? Why have this emotion? The emotion, where's coming from? Somebody pointing a gun at me or, no, it's just a thought. A thought came up and it triggered me to feel bad. Okay, I don't want to change, I feel bad, it's fine. I feel bad, but I recognize where it comes from. And then day by day, week by week, you see like, you're learning. And that means like, oh, wow. There's a program and there's a thought and there's me. So you suddenly have these two entities, yeah. the real you and your thoughts and your emotions. And then you can go on the second level and nurture the real you. Like, I feel good. How can I get more presence? How can I be, expand this real me? If it's good, I don't want to not think at all. I want to still think. But the relationship in our normal unconscious life between being our thoughts or thinking we are the thoughts, the concepts, and being in the deep self is very unfortunate it's like sometimes 100% in the thoughts 95% 99% of the time we're thinking about something and not really present so if you just bring it to 10% presence to 90 we always feel super much better but what about if I have only negative thoughts all day long is that then not something I should question and ask myself why do I keep having the same thoughts over and over again I love that question <laughs> <laughs> because When you ask yourself this question, you already recognize its thoughts, which most of the people don't. And then it's accepting. It's accepting. It's like, okay, I have bad thoughts all day and night. I can't sleep. But it's thoughts. It's not me. It's thoughts. I can't help that these thoughts let me suffer and I accept that. But what about if I have negative thoughts and they lead me to negative actions or they lead me to being less conscious and then I... Provide that towards my environment and my surrounding, which is also something you should be conscious about. Because if you have a bad day and you feel maybe bad, you shouldn't like influence your surrounding. 
what could be the solution here? There is no solution because when this happens, you're unconscious. <laughs> and when you're unconscious, you cannot be conscious at the same time. So the solution is the few moments you give attention to spirituality or you are conscious, you manifest your intention that you want to improve that, that you have the intention that when I'm back in my program, which I accept that's not easy to leave, not don't put the expectations high, like, oh, I read a book and now I'm awakened and I'm always conscious, and then you will be disappointed because you will not be able to be conscious all the time. But you can manifest or set an intention that's saying, okay, I, I try, I try my best. The next challenge that comes, the next situation, I don't want to harm anybody. Because if you don't have that People who don't have that at least one moment where they recognize that they harm other people, that they have the attention to not do it, they will not change because other people might change them, but they can't change because they're unconscious. So if you're unconscious, you are your program and the program runs like any program. Yeah. I feel like in my journey, it helped me a lot to learn being conscious step by step, but also putting the work in every single day. Exactly what you said, it's like a muscle that you need to train. So every single day you can invest or I'm happy to invest my time into my personal growth and growing every day, being more conscious. And I find since I do that and practice it every single day, so many more magical things are happening to me. And with magical things, I mean, people I talk to, even the listening, the moment I listen to them, I hear also the story behind the story, which I find fascinating. The words that people use, how they see the world from their perspective. Is that something that you also experience for yourself going through the entire journey? Yes, you observe everything from a different perspective, yourself, your own thoughts, and also other people's words and gestures and behaviors. It's a bit dangerous because it's very easy to also come to another concept, like I am the spiritual teacher, I am the conscious person, and now I am the one who can judge about the others because they're unconscious. So it's a bit of a tricky situation. And the recommendation would be always to focus on yourself and your own consciousness, not judge others. I totally agree. Me having said that, it's not about judging others. It's more doing the work for myself, basically. Because the more conscious I am, the more I also live a more fulfilled life because I see the world from a different perspective, especially feel so much more. I feel the feelings and the emotions make a big difference into that as well, or play a big role into that you feel people more you can connect more with them yes with their sense basically True. yeah yes i mean we're talking on a very high level already i think of <laughs> spirituality and I'm, i'm sure that many people would be lost <laughs> that's why i insist i think my first what i want to achieve in coaching and whatever i do to maybe writing a book or doing a podcast whatever is and that's making this kind of this spirituality and consciousness easier to understand that we have a common simple understanding of what consciousness means it's a bit confusing when you understand that everything else what you just mentioned it becomes easier and for me it's that it's like consciousness means the ability to separate your deep self from your thoughts and emotions and that means that also the ability that my thoughts are just concepts that i have learned coincidentally by where I was born and how I was raised and that enables me if I say no I'm not my thoughts and my emotions I'm something much bigger something much deeper enables me to think and to act in a way where everything is possible 
and then I only have to set an intention and then things change and things improve and then you feel that living in a conscious way not in a program is so much more beautiful and it's affecting your own inner peace and your own life and then it's affecting others and just feels right but would this mean i only set an intention and this will be reality one day so let's say i want to build an empire i just set the intention and it's going to happen the question is why do you want to build an empire i was waiting for that so there's yeah. also a lot of discussion confusion whatever you call it between manifestation and setting the intention and a lot of like especially american teachers coaches they insist a lot of you have to manifest i will be a billionaire and it will be that and this and then it will happen the law of attraction also kind of i see this thing and i imagine i have it already and then i will get it so it's automatically just by setting the attention or the manifestation it will be there the danger is that if you do that you tell yourself that your happiness mm. is in the future when you have built the empire yeah and the recommendation from spiritual teacher i follow and so my own recommendation would be imagine how it feels to have the whatever you want to have because for some reason you would think that makes you happy try to feel the emotion that comes when you have it already now because if you bring it to the now the emotion it's already a win and then if it feels good sometimes it doesn't feel good anymore if you feel like oh it was just an idea but it doesn't feel good if i put the emotion into it now and then i have it okay next But if you still feel like, okay, that feels good, I want that, and then enjoy the journey towards that goal, what you have. Don't get obsessed by reaching exactly this manifestation. Say, anything can happen. I mean, the journey towards this goal is what I enjoy every day, every minute. But I'm also accepting that anything else can happen. I can control it. And maybe what I now think makes me happy in a month isn't what really yeah. makes me happy. Maybe just thinking it now leads me to something that I don't know it yet, which makes me even happier. But again, making me happy is not my intention. My intention is being happy, or more importantly, being an inner peace. So not running, 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 becoming, doing, saying, no, enjoying. To be that intention, like doing something, which gives a purpose, which you enjoy, but also trusting that good things will happen. It might not be exactly this empire that I have in mind. It might be something else, but the fact that I had this empire in mind was the reason why I got somewhere else. Yeah, so I needed some plan. I need a vision. But I'm not attached to that vision. I'm open to whatever happens. So the vision is just one step in my journey that helps me to have a fulfilled life and inner peace. And what about someone wants to or feels the need of changing their life right now because, let's say, they struggle with their business, financial insecurities, like... Then they would listen to our podcast now and be like, oh, they speak about consciousness and being present and all those like wisdom that we're sharing currently. What would you tell this person if they really have the need of, they need to change something right now because they're suffering so much? I think these people probably would have stopped listening to the podcast already <laughs> 10 minutes ago or 15 minutes. So we would have started differently. I don't know, maybe some are still there. <laughs> Because it, first of all, needs recognizing that you are unhappy because of something and you're able to change it. Many people are not, there's so much in the program that they don't even ask themselves, can they change it? They think, and they have this a lot, no, I have no time for coaching. I have no time to change that. No, I have no time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> that's easy for you to say, but for me it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a normal, quite normal state of mind. But yeah, of course, the answer is unfortunately always the same. 
So what is, well, let's put in, let's try to find another approach. I don't know if you know this story of the teacher who had 20 students and he gave out white papers with a black point on it to everybody and asked them to write one hour to describe what they see. So it was just a white paper with a black point on it. And then after an hour, he collected the papers and he read what people wrote and 95% of the text of all people was about this black point. And he said, like, this is a lesson I want to teach you. This is how we humans are. We are attached to this black point on the white paper. So if we are unhappy because our life is as it is, our job is as it is, we are attached to the current setup of our life. We think that this job, we look at all the negative things, we look at all the problems that come along with this We're only looking at this black point. We don't see the whole white area. We don't see all the possibilities around it. We don't see everything, all the light that is around this black point. We're so attached. We are so stuck in our storytelling of what is our life. Mm. And we lose the ability within the black point, if you're in it with your focus, you don't see the light. So the first thing is you have to detach. You have to go step back. A burnout is a crash that lets you like kind of, you have a reset. So you have to now forced to change something but if you're not forced it's very difficult to get away from this from this black point and again then the technique is first of all somebody has to recognize that i want to change it and then trust that there's ways to change it which i think the teaching of how to be present how to appreciate the stillness appreciate the not being stimulated by external factors find your inner voice and find the joy of not having thoughts for a couple of seconds from time to time and understand that there's more than just these couple of seconds. The more you do, it's like a training. The more you, can, you nurture something within you which brings you more inner peace. So it's just a very simple, okay, I understand, I trust. I trust Andreas with my coach or I trust Eckhart Tolle and I do this exercise. So I find a little peace in this moment but then I realize day by day how a new perspective on my life is born, a new thing comes out and that mm. I don't know exactly what happens and why it happened, but something's happening and the change starts. I'm detaching from my beliefs, from my concepts, from everything which I think is all in this world. Like I cannot go out of it. I'm just traveling back. My perspective gets to the wholeness and not to this one little piece of being that I am compared to what I could be. Yeah. So this would mean that I... Try to be conscious every single day for a few minutes, but I can still be very much in the doing because this is also always the dilemma, right? Being versus doing. And often, especially for myself, I'm a doer, like I really love doing things and executing, but then also taking a minute to be conscious, be present. Would you say if I continue doing that every single day, I would be a very wise person <laughs> by 90 years? Yes, yeah. it's, you have to find the right balance. Some people need yeah. three hours of meditation per day, some need five minutes, some need just some conscious breath from time to time. But what grows is the awareness that you have these two layers, the doing, yeah. becoming layer and the being layer, or the deep eye and the personality. Eckhart Tolle even uses religion, the Christian cross, He's, he thinks... It symbolizes these two layers. So the, if you think of a cross, the horizontal line is your life line from born to death. And it's what people and yourself see as your personality. It's a little like it travels in time mm -hmm. from left to right. 
and the vertical is your deep self. And if you would now use the vertical and would travel from you from the left to the right, so it's in the middle because you're now in the middle of your life, but it would travel, there's always a cross in that point where the two, the deep eye and the horizontal timeline, it's what people see of yourself. But at any moment, if you stop and you go into your deep self, you see the whole vertical of the cross, which is much more than just this point where mm. it crosses. And you can always change your focus and go deeper into your deep self. So you're not what people see in you or what yourself think you are. You have so much more there. And then you can even move this vertical line a little bit from time to time so that people see something else in you and you also become something else. But you're always much, much more than just this little point that travels through the timeline. And from the beginning to the end, you're always the same, the wholeness of this whole vertical line. Yeah? You don't change. That vertical line doesn't grow or end. It's always there. What ends is just the time from our birth until our death. Yeah. And what changes is the perspective of other people and yourself on what they see, yeah. what they feel. That's so deep. Yes, it's very deep. I think our podcast is for advanced, <laughs> for <laughs> advanced <deep> spiritual <laughs> consciousness. <laughs> it's not for beginner. <laughs> yeah, we're almost coming to an end. I have two more questions. So the first one is about what do you wish for us? Because I feel like we have a really special connection. <laughs> Maybe we can do another episode on that. That's the first question. And then once you answer it, I will follow with the second <laughs> one. <laughs> very good. You learn your lesson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because there's only now. <laughs> exactly. And who knows what my answer is. Maybe if you now already know the second question, you might miss a question that could come up when you listen to me, yeah. which is much more exciting and much better. I mean, probably the level of this conversation and how we talk and the depth shows that there is a special connection between us. We met only very recently <laughs> and I think we have been both on a similar journey and a special moment in the consciousness and we had both the ability to recognize ourselves in the other, which means we were both somehow able to feel our essence and in the moment we connected, we were both very close to our essence. We were not meeting us in the concept like, who are you, Nina? What do you for work? What could help me in my work with your work? How can I make more money with you? How can I whatever find a new couple? Whatever. So all these kind of things that we use to reflect on others. We were just like feeling each other, the essence, which is being one, oneness. And you even had the bracelet of oneness, which is not a oneness between you and me. It's a oneness between all humans, but only conscious humans have the ability sometimes to feel that oneness. And we met in a moment where we both had this, this ability. And so we felt it and we don't know why and I don't care why, but there was a deep connection. And then the more we talked and now we met in person, we understood why. Normally it's like, okay, tell me everything about you and then yeah. I decide if I fit to you. <laughs> yeah? And in our case it was like, no. There's something, we don't know why, and now more and more we understand what is there. So what do I wish that we keep? I think this kind of connections where both parts have the ability to feel the essence is are very powerful for myself, for you, but also for others if we use it well. I wish that we keep discovering why we have this connection. Is there any purpose? Is there something that will happen or should, should happen is there a, a bigger reason behind it there might be for me there's big chances there are I don't know what and being open and listening to the universe what 
what it has in mind for us. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I can only agree. I do know, actually, that there is something happening. I don't know what it is exactly right now, but I really feel it. So I'm also very grateful for this experience and the feeling you can feel in that moment and being so present that two people connect on a certain level, I think is very special. So I wish everyone can experience that one day, <laughs> maybe every day. I think you can, if you want, you can, if you go out, um, of course, if you're alone in your room, it's difficult. Yeah. If you go out in the street and wherever people are, it's quite easy. It's not so difficult to feel that connection and to connect with people or with animals as well as plants. Yeah. Yeah. True. Okay. What was the second question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final words that you would love to share with the world today, right now? Anything that comes up, anything you would love to say? That's your chance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen to the interview and the podcast is if, if somebody answers yes or no. <laughs> yeah. I was already prepared for that. For that. <laughs> so independent from that question, I wanted to add to our description of our connection. Again, the idea of concepts and deep essence. I think many people, I mean, I'm a man, you're a woman. You are probably 25, 30 years younger than me, I don't know. And then we talk about this deep connection and love. And then, so, oh, yeah, this. Is, so, what do they have in mind when they say there's something more coming? Is that is it a romantic thing, whatever? Mm. Yeah. So, no, it's not. But that is not a problem. It's great because there's much more than that. Yeah. Love is not, and I think we discussed about this a bit, and you were very attentive and curious about it. These different levels of love. Yeah. So, You can have a romantic relationship with somebody and a good long-term monogamic relationship with a family, which you can believe in it or not as a concept. I believe in it. And it works probably well when all the layers of love, all the elements are combining. Yeah, So physical attraction, mental attraction, spiritual attraction, and sexual attraction. And on top, the intention that you want to find that love. And I think once you have found something that you feel that like that's it, this intention It's not there anymore. So you're not looking for that anymore. So it's also kind of close the door to that because we have found it already. But I think still we can talk about love to other people, to our couple, to our wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend. And it's beautiful. It's very similar to, it can create butterflies, it can create yeah. a warm feeling in the heart, very nice. And luckily we have the ability to have that. It's not something that you can only have for one person. If you put it in the right context and love is the ability to see yourself and the other. Love is when you're able to feel the essence of yourself and the other in the connection. And that's what I felt from the beginning. And that's what I think is the base of our connection. And anything else is nice and good, but this is the essence. And to come to your question, I would love that more people mm. have the ability to see the essence I remember that you shared with me some experiences you had in London when you walked around and with different people, one very humble service guy put like this, helped you and he was so humble. He was not very rich, but you were like, he immediately conquered your heart and he was so kind and gave you so much joy. And another situation, you had an unconscious person who was on a journey to deliver a package and he was to be the first. He doesn't care about anybody else. He was rude, whatever. 
so that we have that less, that we have more like even in this situation where you have a person totally unconscious who is trying to push you away because he wants to be first and he wants his own advantage, that this person can't trigger you, that you are able to see the essence of this person, that behind this unconscious behavior, there's a human like you, that you can feel love for that person, that you're able to differentiate between the unconscious programmed behavior of somebody and the real person behind it. It's super difficult. And of course, depending on the unconsciousness and the harm they do, they start really mm. violence and whatever. It's almost impossible. And of course, it doesn't mean we have to accept violence. We can always, we should always make a point, but still even defending ourselves or trying to lower the level of violence, if it's verbally or whatever, we can combine it with still trying to feel and see the essence behind everybody and have a little bit of love to the essence of the persons. Yeah, yeah. As you said, it's very difficult sometimes. Yes. But definitely something we can master and learn. So that's positive. Yes. I guess we are done for today. No, I also have a question for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both agree that this is very important, that understanding consciousness, applying consciousness in your life brings inner peace, which means our own life experience improves and it can change the world of others right yeah but i think as we discover in this conversation which we call a podcast <laughs> <laughs> between us it's not so easy to digest it's not something that ah okay i get it it's a journey it's something that first of all you have to want it you have to come in a situation where you want that and most of the people i know and myself included started to manifest they wanted after a deep suffering. Suffering is a good trigger to understand consciousness and to go to the gym because you have a reason now. You don't want to suffer anymore, so you go to the gym. Like if you're fat, <laughs> you go to the gym because you want to lose weight. Yeah. So if you're unhappy and suffering, you start studying spirituality, ideally, and you find in spirituality and in all these things that we talked about, you find something that you haven't seen before which helps you to have inner peace and rely on things improve. Ideally. So my question to you is, how can we or you as a, from a different perspective, also younger, female, we put a concept. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not spoiled with so much knowledge and experience, yeah, still more innocent, more fresh. How can you, and not having, you didn't have the experience, I guess, to have a burnout? No. Luckily, or no, I'm happy I did, but I'm happy for you didn't. <laughs> how can we make all this easier to understand more accessible, more sexy, more interesting, more like something that should be part of the schools like teenagers learn in school or instead of consuming dancing videos on TikTok, which is nice dancing, but so that young people want to get content and learn this so that somehow, I don't mind how, it doesn't matter how we do it because in the end the effect is important that consciousness increases, arises in humanity. How can we achieve that to get to make this all more accessible and more sexier, or to put it like this? Like the people want it, that they are like, oh, that's cool. You know, like maybe to say there's always kindness is a no cool, the new cool. Kindness is a new cool. We say like consciousness is a new cool. <laughs> yeah. Any idea? I mean, you asked me about the how, but then you said we should not think about the how. So I guess, I guess it would start with us, like each of us can... By learning, being present every day, that will be the first kind of thing that comes up intuitively for me. You're leading by example, basically. The more people who see you, who interact with you, 
They observe your energy. They see the things you do in life, how you interact with the people around you. There could be or there is a high chance that they see that they admire what you do and how you interact with people. So they follow you naturally. So you don't even need to force something. You don't need to put out content and be like, this is what you have to do. So it's more like practice what you preach, basically, and leading by example. And then I would frame that into inspiration. So how can you inspire young people to be more conscious, to make it more sexy? And what comes into that, I feel like, is a portion of happiness, but happiness as a skill, not like, oh, I'm happy and everything is like fine and I'm happy about everything I experience. Like happiness plus the feeling to it, like really embodying it in your body and the playfulness around the whole topic consciousness. Like why does it bring you joy to be conscious? Like how can you experience the world to bring more joy and to feel more consciousness? If we're able to do that, to combine the two parts of like leading by example and then trying to reinvent consciousness for the younger generation, starting with learning consciousness in schools. Basically, in every place you go, there could be a small portion of consciousness, even in a gym, you know, like can be anything. There are lots of things I could think of because that's where my creative side comes out of it. But combining all those kind of parts and trying to implement consciousness in every single community, in your daily life, maybe to places you go, even in coffee places, I think that could help to really spread the word and then people could connect more towards consciousness. I think that will be my ideal scenario when I think of it. It's very complex, but you need to start somewhere. And I think we should start with the young generation because they will live longer than we do. They can still learn so much. So that could be a challenge for me and you, I would say, to how can we make consciousness more sexy and How can we inspire others to implement it in their workplace, in school places, even interacting with politicians, the government, and the how we're going to figure out? <laughs> I hope that answers your question. But for me, I feel like once consciousness or the whole personal development space is something you love to do, like it's, you know, fun and it's not always deep and heavy. This is where people interact with it and they're like oh I think that's cool I really want to join and I really want to experience it a part of it is very deep and very heavy but maybe that's also nice at some point to experience so you feel like the heavy part but you take all the energy out of this and you go more into the positive part of like it's nice that I also could experience this deep deep part of myself but what can I do with it now I can transform it into something that is bigger than myself <laughs> you're, I'm smiling. You're, you're smiling and staring yes, at me. I'm now. smiling. I'm smiling because there was so much wisdom talking now. I think you didn't prepare <laughs> no, that and you just experienced how much wisdom is within you yeah, without thinking about it. If you will listen to what you just said the last two, three minutes, you'll be amazed about yourself. Like you put it in really strong, for me, very strong words and manifestations. So looking into our life until now, our personalities, our skills, what we have learned, which is just what's there right now, which can be extended, changed, whatever. We both understand social media quite well for many reasons. We do both understand marketing, but also we both for different journeys have come to a point where consciousness has become something important in our life, mindfulness, however you call it. We have learned a lot from other teachers both. So why 
then we use these combined skills and wisdom and we try to come up with something, a book, a podcast or whatever. And our goal is to convert consciousness in the new cool. Sounds wonderful. Let's do it. Let's do it. Can I give you a high five now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that outcome for this episode today, but I'm really pleased we did it. So thank you, Andreas, for your time, your love and dedication to spend your time with me and share your wisdom with the world. And yeah, I hope someone could take something away from today's episode and enjoy the day or the evening in more consciousness, with more love, I would say. Thank you. Thank you, Andreas. Thank you, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should stop. And now I do my other job with the other voice. <laughs> my very wide approach. <laughs> my side job. <laughs> It's also conscious. <laughs> share, share more about your side job. <laughs> you can figure out what <laughs> <Okay>. it is. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nina. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good morning.